0: Gracious God, we do pause and praise you for your omnipotent rule over all things. You are a great God. Lord, we thank you as we pause as a country to be able to thank those men and women who know what it is to sacrifice, to sacrifice home, to sacrifice comfort, to oftentimes pay the ultimate sacrifice to be able to purchase the freedom that we so richly enjoy as a nation. We are thankful for our veterans, and we pray for those men and women that even today are serving abroad, that you would bring them home safely. We pray for their transition from active tours of duty to civilian life in the months or years to come, the physical and the psychological stresses that you would be able to guide and to heal and to bring about that transition we pray not only as a corporate body here at Dawson but we pray with others in our country that we're praying blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted knowing that there are 12 families that were impacted this past Wednesday by the shooting the Thousand Oaks community and Lord we pray for those family members. And friends, we pray for your peace and presence to be upon them, understanding that even today and in very similar places, God, there in California, there are families that are grieving the loss of loved ones in the wildfires that are blazing even now. The loss of property, but also the loss of lives in that is so hard for us in the Confidence and comfort of where we are today to even begin to grasp and to imagine. But we pray for your healing power to be upon these families, that you would work all things together for those that love you and are called according to your purpose. and You would shine in the midst of even heartache and tragedy, that you would be glorified, and that you would come alongside of those who are grieving even now as we worship. Even now, speak to our hearts, Lord. We, your servants, are listening. So in your name we pray. Amen. If you have a copy of God's Word, I'm going to invite you to take and turn with me to Paul's epistle to the church at Philippi, Philippians chapter 4 this morning. Philippians chapter 4, what is the secret of contentment, Dawson, as we come to the season of gratitude? As Thanksgiving is upon us, as we are in a weekend of gratitude, thankful for our veterans in our midst What is the secret to contentment? About a year ago, the comedian, actor Jim Carrey posted this on Twitter. See his posting here? I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they dreamed of so that they can see that it is not the answer. You know, in many ways, there, there is hard to find a person within our American culture that haven't tasted of what our world says is the answer. Uh, Jim Carrey and, and, and many actresses and actors like him have all the fame, not only in our nation, but worldwide, fortune so few people could even begin to imagine, but here you have someone in the self-reflective moment saying, I've got it all, I've tried it all, and I found it all to lack what could truly provide contentment. He says, I, I hope that they would realize it's not the answer. What is this answer that he speaks of? I mean, you could, you could say it as a synonym. He, he's speaking of it. He, he has not found contentment. He hasn't found true joy. He hasn't found peace in the midst of everything that this world could offer. It is not enough. About 100 years before Jim Carrey, long before Twitter, the most quotable person within the American Literary tradition is Mark Twain himself, and, and he paused and he said, You know what the secret of contentment is? The secret of contentment is good books, good friends, and a forgetful conscience. That is the secret to contentment. Well, we know it's sort of tongue in cheek. We, we know that, that, that Twain nor Carrie really can, can pin down what is. The elusive answer, what is the true source of contentment? And here we gather 2,000 years after these words that I will read to you from the Apostle Paul that speaks so clearly and compellingly to what the secret of contentment is. The secret of contentment is a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. Philippians 4, verse 10, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need. For I've learned in whatever situation, I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hungry, abundance and need. Verse 13, probably... The most memorable passage in the book of Philippians. Arguably the most memorable passage in all of Paul's epistles. Quotable, memorable. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. What is the secret of contentment? How can you follow in the footsteps of one who is saying that I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content? Now, I know what some of you are saying here. Well, he, he doesn't know the whatever situation that, that I'm facing. Oh, it's, it's easy. Uh, Apostle Paul, you think of him in, in some academic ivory tower far away from the ordinary travails and trials of your life. You think that the whatever situation and the whatever circumstances is far from what you are walking through, the diagnosis that, that you are facing... The trial that you're facing, you say, if the Apostle Paul could lace up my shoes, then then maybe he would say something different. I, I want you to understand the context where Paul writes this. He doesn't write this in any kind of theoretical world. He doesn't write this as an academic. He doesn't write this as an essay. He doesn't write this as one who is reflecting far from the trials of life. You know where Paul is when he writes this letter? He is in prison. Philippians chapter 1 verses 22 through 24 remind us that Paul's location as he writes what we read in Philippians chapter 4 is a prison. He he is wondering, as he says, to live is Christ, to die is gain. He is wondering if he will ever see the light of day again. This is where Paul is writing whatever circumstance. And more than that, tradition, church tradition tells us that it's most likely that Paul is writing this in a Roman prison. To be able to make a correlation between Acts 28 and Philippians 1-4 through here, and we know that the prisons within that historical location were subterranean, that water would flow into where Paul is, that animal waste would flow into where Paul is. It was dark, it was dingy, it was called in Paul's day a house of darkness. This is where Paul is writing whatever circumstance I've learned to be content in. But maybe it's not enough for you though. Maybe you still need to be convinced that he, that he has really the experiential collateral to be able to speak to your circumstance today. You you move away, you take the close-up shot, and you begin to pan out and get a panoramic view of Paul's whatever circumstance. And then we read in 2 Corinthians that, that Paul really means whatever circumstance. Notice what he says in the 11th chapter. Are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. I'm talking like a madman with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings and often near death. Five times I've received At the hands of the Jews, the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked, uh, shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys. In danger from rivers. Danger from robbers. Danger from my own people. Danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toll and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. So when Paul says, I have learned in any and every circumstance, it's pretty far-reaching of his personal any and every circumstance. Here is a person under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that is speaking to us about something that we all need to learn from. Where do we find contentment in our any and every circumstance? Where, Where do we find contentment? We will not have a litany like Paul recites here in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 but our any and every circumstance does come. And the question before you and the question before me is, what is the source of contentment in the midst of difficult situations? And notice what Paul doesn't do. He he doesn't say, be a stoic, unmoved by your circumstances. He, He doesn't say, have the type of Pollyannish perspective That when life gives you lemons, you just make as much lemonade as you can. This is not what Paul is saying. Rather, Paul is saying that his identity is found regardless of the circumstance in Christ. It goes back to that memorable statement in verse 13 of Philippians 4. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I think that's the first verse I memorized new international version I was in the 8th grade I'd become a Christian I played baseball, basketball and football I I used this verse as a verse that walked with me on every athletic field I had an undershirt or a couple of undershirts and I I would put before me Philippians 4 13 so when I would wipe the sweat off of my brow I would see that passage at the age of 13 and it was really a, a rabbit's foot for me I thought it could bring me good luck. I, I don't think I consciously thought that, but I, but I unconsciously just thought that Paul is saying all things I can do through him. So I remember facing the, the equivalent of Nolan Ron in 13 year old baseball outside of the Jackson, Mississippi area. I was in the batter's box trying to get my timing down, watching uh, the, the hitter in front of me face this, this beast of an eighth grader. I got up to hit. First inning, fastball right down the middle, swung as hard as I could, missed it pretty badly. Still, I can do, maybe I can do all things through Christ. So it's 0-1 count. Next pitch is a slurve slash curve, then swing. I don't know if I can do all things. By this time, I was wondering this. The next pitch is the fastball. Didn't swing. Three strikes. Going back to the dugout thinking, I'm not really sure that the Apostle Paul was talking about me hitting a home run off of this batter here. And what I had done is I had taken this passage out of context, and I made it a proof text. I had made it a pretext. And I was using this passage as a a rabbit's foot. I was using this passage as a a talisman to be able to pull out as a genie in the bottle to give me what I want. But the Apostle Paul isn't talking about our athletic prowess when he's talking about doing all things through Christ who strengthens us. He isn't saying if your team goes 0-12 and and if you quote this verse, the next year you're going to go undefeated. That's not what Paul is talking about here. Paul is not saying in this passage here that if you don't study for the test and you come as an 8th grader or ninth grader or 10th grader and say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You're going to make a 100 on the test. No. He's not saying this is a rabbit's foot that we take with us before we're interviewing for the job that we have before us. No. He's not saying that if you want the promotion and you believe enough and you quote this enough, 30 days, you say it every day, then God will give you all of the wildest Uh, dreams that you ever had, because you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. No, 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 no. He's saying there's something much more profound. In the context of this passage, he is saying, regardless of your situation, you can find contentment not in yourself, but rather in him who is unshaken by your circumstance. So, So another way we can phrase this is, is you are here this morning as a Christian and you have to answer one of two questions. And and the first question is, is am I living pulled by the undertow of my circumstances? Am I living pulled by the undertow of my circumstances? Or am I living out of the overflow of Christ in me? This is what Paul is talking about. Am I being pulled by the circumstances all around me? Or am I living out of the overflow of Christ in me? How do you live out of the overflow of Christ in you? How do you live uh, grounded by Philippians 4, 13 in your life? What is the secret of contentment? Well, notice with me a position that defines us as Christians. Going back to Philippians 4, we read that we can do all things through him. Notice that that phrase is a phrase that you can underline, you can circle it, you can put an asterisk by it, you can put a star by it. It is a phrase and the corollary phrases, that two-word phrase is used 164 times in the Pauline epistles. So 164 times we read in Christ, in the Lord, in him, through him, So the repetition is something that reminds us that we need to pause because what Paul is saying is is our primary position as a believer is found not in our circumstances but in Christ in us. That in him, through him, this is what defines us. Another way we could say this is what is the source of your identity? What is the source of my identity today? Is the source of my identity hidden in Christ Jesus Or is it found in my circumstances? Is the source of my identity in Christ or what I've survived? Is it found in Christ or is it found in what I do for a living? Is it in Christ or what has been done to me? Is it in Christ or is it in my circumstances? Am I being defined by my struggles or am I being defined by my Savior? Am I defined by my circumstances around me or am I being defined by Christ in me? This is the question. This is the primary position that defines us. And here's what Paul is saying. As bold of a declaration, he is saying whatever your circumstance, you can find contentment because Christ is solid. He is sure no matter your circumstance. So what he is saying is this, that in Christ you can discover contentment regardless of the circumstance. So in Christ you can find contentment even in the midst of the worst diagnosis. Paul is saying that even in loving a prodigal who is not close to coming to his or her senses, hasn't started that long journey home, that even then you can find contentment in Christ even in the midst of the transition, a financial transition, work transition, you can find contentment in Christ even in the midst of disappointment, even in the midst of doubt, even in the midst of despair, even in the midst of diagnosis that you can find contentment in Christ even in the face of abject poverty in the midst of the face of grief that flows down your cheeks as you're weeping over the situation that you are finding yourself in even in those situations you can find contentment i'm not saying that you like the situation i'm not saying that you're smiling your way through the situation i'm not saying that you're enjoying the situation as you're walking in it i am saying that situation does not have to define you because you have a savior who lives inside of you who desires to define all of your existence Don't just take my word for it. There's a litany of those that have gone before us who have lived out of the overflow of Christ in them, and it's made all the difference. You know Matthew Henry, the 17th century nonconformist pastor. If you've been a Sunday school teacher, maybe you've seen that one volume Matthew Henry commentary. It's pithy, it's memorable concise interpretation of all of the Bible. Uh, There was a time where he was traveling from his home to his church and he was robbed. The equivalent of his wallet was stolen from him. He makes his way to the church and the parishioners greet him and they're, they're dismayed by the situation. This is Henry's response. It was fourfold response to what had occurred to him. And the first he says, I am thankful that he had never robbed me before. But he didn't stop there. He said, secondly, I am thankful that although he took my wallet, he did not take my life. But he didn't stop there. He said, thirdly, although he took all that I had, it was not very much. And finally, he said, I am glad that it was I who was robbed, not I who did the robbing. Christ in you are the circumstances around you. Are you living by the undertow of the circumstances? Or are you living out of the overflow of Christ in you? The circumstances around you? Or Christ in you? Dietrich Bonhoeffer, 20th century German pastor, professor, theologian, spy. In the German context, World War II, there's a plot that he's a part of to assassinate Adolf Hitler. It goes awry. He's implicated as, as one of the conspirators. He ends up in a, a Gestapo prison. He ends up in a concentration camp. So he, you can read his letters from prison. The last letter that Bonhoeffer penned was a letter to his fiance, and he wrote this, Therefore, I have not felt lonely or abandoned for one moment. Therefore, you must not think that I am unhappy. What is happiness and unhappiness? It depends so little on the circumstances. It depends really only on that which happens inside a person. I am grateful every day that I have you and that makes me happy. The circumstances around you or Christ in you? Are you being pulled by the undertow of your circumstances? Or are you living out of the overflow of Christ in you? Notice with me, it's a position that defines us, but notice also there is a, a posture that sustains us. We're not just saying in the the great by and by we're going to be happy, but rather we're saying that he that began a good work in you is faithful to bring it to completion. That that not only is he the one uh, that justifies us and gives us our identity, but in our sanctification he is the one that sustains us regardless of our circumstances. Now notice that there is a posture of humble dependency here. Paul says, I have found the joy of contentment, and it is not found looking within to my own personality. It is not me trying to grin and bear it. Rather, it is a humble dependency upon Christ Jesus. This isn't Paul saying, grin and bear it. This isn't Paul tritely saying to you, take that frown and turn it upside down and think happy thoughts all of those trifling sentiments that do not last in the midst of the difficulty of circumstance that some of you are facing today, we need something much more solid. We need more than our personality to get us through it. We need more than our intellect to think us through it. We need more than our wishful thinking and power of positive thinking. We need the power of an omnipotent God who lived a perfect life and died a sacrificial death. And as he ascended into heaven, he sent his spirit to dwell inside of us to be the comforter, no matter your circumstance. That's what we need. That's what we need. This isn't think better thoughts. This isn't find some strength inside of you. No, the strength as a believer is dwelling inside of you, and that is not you. That is the Holy Spirit inside of you. Outside of Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, you could just write in your margin a passage of Scripture that, that very well may have been walking in Paul's mind as he's writing Philippians or, or the words of Jesus would have been in the back of his mind as he wrote this. And it was John 15. I'm the vine. You are the branches. Maybe it was one of the disciples that had had given to Paul these words here as they were talking through what Jesus said. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do. And notice what he says. "You, You can do a lot of things. That's what it said. That's the trend. Apart from me, you can do some things. Apart from me, you can do most things. No, I mean, it's so clearly. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And boy, in the 21st century, boy, every congregation in the United States needs to be reminded of this because we are tempted to believe that we can do a lot of things without him. We, We are tempted that we can buy our way to contentment. We are tempted that we can climb our way to contentment. We are thinking that we can speak our way into contentment. But what Jesus reminds us, what the Apostle Paul is reminding us of, is apart from him, we can do nothing. So if you are here this morning, and you're considering the claims of Christianity, if you're here this morning, and you're visiting, you've come in, and you're thinking, "What, what is all of this about? I say this as lovingly as I can, all of us in this room will have to ask, where do we find contentment in the midst of our circumstances? And what the Bible clearly teaches is contentment is only found in the person, and that person is Jesus Christ. So if there's never been a time in your life where you've admitted that you cannot be the answer to your problem, that you are the problem. I am the problem. The problem is inside of me. I have sinned. I am alienated from a holy God. But God, in his love and wisdom, sent his only begotten son as a rescue mission to save me from my sin and the Holy Spirit resides in me as I admit that I'm a sinner, I believe in the finished work of the gospel, and I commit my life to Him, it is then that we find the secret of contentment, and that is in a relationship with Jesus Christ. So if there's never been a time in your life where you've trusted Him as your Savior, you will look for contentment in all the wrong places, not only today, but in all of the tomorrows before you, not only on this world, but in the world to come. Now, if you're here and you're a Christian, we still need to be reminded of the power of the gospel because we always are tempted to live isolated from the very one who gives us the strength to do all things regardless of the circumstances, to be content in whatever the circumstance. So there's a temptation to forget that he is the vine and we're the branches. It's the temptation to forget to abide deeply in Him. So the question that all of us as believers must ask is, how deeply are we drinking of the well, the well of water that never runs dry? How deeply this last week have you, have you drunk of the well of the Word of God? How deeply this last week have you, have you consistently communed with Him in prayer? depending upon him in a a new and a fresh way, saying, apart from you, I can do nothing. I need you, oh, I need you. I need you every hour. Not only in the word, not only in prayer, but also in the communion of the saints that we gather together on Sunday morning. We don't gather together on Sunday morning just to check it off as a, as a part of, of, of the expectation of what we do in our culture. But rather, we gather together to worship the living, risen Lord and Savior. And as we gather together in prayer, we gather together in song, we gather together with the one another of those that are sitting around you. It is, the, it is the very thing that feeds us. So his word, his prayer, worship together collectively. To what extent are we consistently and regularly connecting to the source of true contentment? I don't know how many of you have been to the beach lately. Every year we used to go. When My mom is here this morning. And I remember growing up we would go to, my aunt lived in Pensacola, Florida every morning or not every morning every morning she would take us to the beach every summer my mom would take us to the beach and it became a a fun routine in our family's life and then when danielle and i got married we would make an annual pilgrimage to Destin. and then as our boys have come into the picture we oftentimes make annual pilgrimages down to gulf shores or to orange beach or or to Destin. so a few times i can think of one in particular I was swimming out into the ocean and I got caught in the undertow. I got caught in the rip current. Have you ever been there in that moment? It, it really is a frightening moment. What, what was your instinct? Was, I tell you what my instinct was to, to swim against that current. To just to try to swim against it. And this is what I noticed. I was swimming, I was swimming, I was swimming, and instead of getting closer to the safety of the shore, where I was I? I was further away. You know know what you have to do when you find yourself in that rip current, in that undertow that is pulling you away? You have to swim parallel to the shore, and you have to get out of the undertow and the rip current that is pulling you away, and you have to find yourself in the current that is moving back to the safety of the shore. So you could swim all you want to against that undercurrent, but what you have to find is the safety of the current that brings you back to the shore. And there's some of you in this room that are being pulled by the undertow of your circumstances and you're swimming, trying to get out of that. I'm here to tell you there is a better current that leads you to the safety of intimacy with him. And it is found as you drink deeply of his word and prayer and you abide deeply with him, are you being pulled by the undertow of your circumstances? Are you living out of the overflow of Christ in you? That is the question, not only for this morning, but for the mornings ahead of us, because there's no better place to be regardless of your circumstance than to dwell and abide deeply with Christ. Any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of contentment, and that's a person. Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Today, God, we just pause and we all need to be reminded that the true secret of contentment is found not in our striving and not in our doing, but rather in our abiding deeply with you. That contentment is found in relationship to intimacy with you. I pray for the person that's here today that has never trusted you as Savior and Lord. That even this moment they would realize that they've been searching for contentment in all the wrong places. and, And it isn't a place that we find contentment in, but it is a person. So may today be the day that they bend their knees in repentance and in trust in and with you. I pray for the believer that is here. Because all of us as Christians need to be reminded that at times we seek to find our identity not first and foremost in you, but in the circumstances around us, before us. The circumstances that oftentimes feel like waves that are crashing down upon us. And the wind and the mist that is blowing in our face in the midst of our circumstance where we look toward you, the one who can walk upon the water, who can say, peace be stilled, to even the fiercest of storms. Comfort us in any and every circumstance. Reminding us you will never leave us nor forsake us and that we can find contentment even in the midst of tears, even in the midst of sorrow, even in the midst of any and every circumstance. It's in your name we pray. Amen.